What are cryptocurrencies? What are NFTs? Time to buy Bitcoin. Buy and hold. Time to sell to whales. Decentralized finance, smart contract, white paper. Well, then buy it. Well, then sell it. I don't know. Every day, there's a new thing happening in crypto. With every innovation, the space keeps expanding, becomes more complex, and sometimes even intimidating. Let's admit it, for many, that is just too much. So if crypto's your thing, but you find it hard to navigate, we've got you covered. From Ledger, my name is Moed Said, and I'm glad to be welcoming you on another episode of our new podcast on the Ledger, live from Paris. By hosting inspiring members of the community, diving into their projects and vision, on the Ledger aims to give you clear explanations, inspiring conversations, and exclusive insights to help you explore the world of crypto, Web3, and all that it brings to the table. You can finally chill and find answers to questions you never dare to ask. And today, I'm quite happy to be joined by Benoit Pagoutot. Benoit is a creative visionary. He is the co-founder of Artifact, an eclectic studio that leverages blockchain technology, NFTs, and augmented reality to create unique digital artifacts. Also around the table, we have Ian Rogers. Ian is our chief experience officer here at Ledger. He's a digital pioneer who led the digital transformation across many industries. First, as CEO of Topspin Media, then as CEO of Beats Music, and more recently as CDO at LVMH. Together, we will dive into the realm of NFTs and ask ourselves simple questions. What are they? What do NFTs disrupt? And finally, are they just a fad or the new creative renaissance? On the Ledger, live from Paris, season one, episode two, here we go. Benoit, Ian, welcome to On The Ledger. It's a pleasure to be hosting you here today on our second episode of the show. We usually kick off the conversation by trying to provide an easy gateway to the topic for our listeners. We'll start with a couple of questions, the type of questions that people are sometimes afraid to ask. We call them the not-so-stupid questions because, as you know, in crypto, there are no stupid questions. Let me start with Benoit. Benoit NFTs have recently gained a lot of attention, to say the least. They've been defined and used in many different ways as digital collectibles, stores of value, access to utility, which might be a bit confusing. So what is your vision for NFTs and how would you explain it to a newbie? Nah, super small question. <laughs> I think just if you want to sum it up, NFTs are just a new medium uh, that can store all of this stuff you, you gave as example before. So it could be art, it could be an experience, it could be identity, it could be your right of passage to go somewhere. It could be memories. It could be you know, parts of stuff that could predict the future. Could, you, you can make uh, 14 cookies you know, with NFTs. I'm waiting for a project that does that properly, actually, <laughs> with an AI, maybe. So it's just a new medium that is finally giving you know, a proper uh, receptacle for something that is normally natively digital, which by its nature normally is hard to you know, store or attribute value or trade uh, in, in a fair way. So it's just a new receptacle for all these new type of experiences that we're actually using today in many, many different, many different ways, except this is, we think, I think, you know, the medium we've all been waiting for, people who grew up playing video games and buying digital items and collecting art or, or you know, playing cards or stuff like that. It's actually the, the ultimate medium for us to put all of that together in a, in a proper way and build uh, communities and economy around it. So talking about digital, Ian, as someone who spearheaded the digital transformation of both the music and fashion industries, what's your take on NFTs? Are they in continuity with the nature of the digital evolution that you've witnessed? Or do you see disruption here? Well, I think, you know, one interesting thing when you look at this relative to music and fashion is, 
you know, it's never in, in my career have I seen something that is so in line with, uh, with, with, with the, the vision of, of existing players in the space. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you look at what we did in digital music in the late 90s and the early 2000s, we, we really like dragged the music business kicking and screaming. They didn't want, um, you know, to, to transform, you know, they, the, you know, customers were saying loud and clear, we want digital music and the industry wasn't giving it to them. But I think when it comes to, to, to NFTs, you know, if you, if you look at, you know, first of all, when it, when it comes to music, music is a, is a, an industry of collectibles and um, now we're living in digital world. So the idea of digital collectibles is, is incredibly natural and it really fits with, um, with where the industry is now that the industry has moved to be basically, you know, nearly 100% digital. And then if you look at the, the, the world of fashion, everybody's trying to move direct to consumer. And if you think of a world where, you know, that, that Givenchy shoe that, that you're buying designed by, you know, you know, Matthew Williams, you know, it comes with a digital collectible when you sell it on Givenchy.com, but when it's sold through another retailer, you know, such as, you know, Net-de-Porte or My Teresa or Farfetch, it does not. Um, I mean, that fits right with, uh, with the goals of, uh, the goals of brands that, that want to move more direct to consumer and build a, and build a relationship with their fans. So I think this is something that, that is, um, you know, uh, you know, technology is not, you know, put it this way, incumbents are not usually ready for big tech changes. But I think in this case, uh, it, 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 it aligns with with where they want to go in a completely unusual way. Yeah. And Benoit, like um, you've had quite an impressive career in the marketing and advertising field. But in 2020, you made the decision to launch Artifact as a creative studio that designs digital sneakers and other collectibles for the metaverse. For those of you who don't know what the metaverse is, it's actually a digital word that lives on the blockchain, but I'm sure Benoit can tell us more about it. What I'm curious about is why did this get on your radar? And maybe you can tell us about how the transition took place. Like when did this actually become a thing? And when did you tell yourself, okay, this is it, I want to do this? It became quite evident because, you know, I used to work in advertising, a lot of luxury, you know, brands and stuff like that. And then I was in esports for the past four years prior to Artifact. And, and while in esports, I had, had to market and create two types of products. The first ones, which were like the, I mean, it was still interesting, but the most boring ones were physical products. And the most exciting ones were like the skins we could de design in game with the different uh, game IPs and leagues we were a part of. And, and to me, I was always much more you know, interested in this type of projects and how we can also link whatever we do on the physical side to something in game, because that's where a lot of my fans, uh, not my fans, like the team's fans, uh, were, were spending time. You know, it was in game. Uh, and then we were thinking, okay, of course, we need to make them some cool, cool clothes to, to put up when they are at school or going at esports events and stuff like that. But all the time, I was bringing a lot of different artists in collaboration who were doing for the designs we were making for Fanatic. And the main thing I always wanted to do, and I was always like telling this to my team, is that I wish I could just sell them a wallpaper. Uh, because uh, to me, uh, phone wallpaper and desktop wallpaper are like the best spot for a brand, you know, in someone's life today. Uh, if you're on their phone every day, on their computer every day, you get a lot of visibility. And it's also, you know, a, a big sign of a fandom if someone puts your, your logo and whatever art you're creating as a desktop or mobile wallpaper. And I was really looking for the possibility of doing this, right? Because I was doing lots of cool artworks with super cool artists. Uh, but I was just giving them away, you know, uh, as, you know, fan service in a sense. 
Uh, and I discovered really NFTs when I did a partnership, a small partnership, just a trial uh, with Wax, which is, you know, a big uh, marketplace. And we did, uh, I did the yeah, collector edition for my League of Legends team. And we added, we did the champion hoodie collaboration. We did the uh, fan arts uh, included in my like, limited edition printed card, etc. And we also did five NFT emblems for them to collect. And I did that just as a test to see if the community would actually sign up, you know, to wax, to collect them. And they all did. Uh, and that's where I thought, okay, like, uh, definitely that's the way to go. Like, now there's a, an actual technology to back that type of opportunities to sell digital goods without having to go through, uh, you know, having a big deal with a game publisher and the long process of being integrated in their skins roadmap and stuff like that. Like, that was, I think, the ultimate thing for an esports team because you know esports team is still a, a brand that's uh, native to gaming so that's when i had the eureka moment in not eureka because i always wanted to do it but i thought okay cool like now there's an actual technology that's allowing to do that and that's when after i slowly started to think of doing something made for this rather than because even though esports teams are great they still have they have their own legacy and fanatic have one as well because it's the oldest esports team you know i think now they are 16 years old or something even more, 17 years old, I think, because it was 2004. And and esports team are mostly driven by, you know, the performance of the team, whether they win or lose, right? So even though it was, I was having a lot of fun there and doing super cool projects and, and crossing bridges between non-endemic brands, our brand, gaming and fashion, I was still kind of limited uh, because I still had first a legacy I need to deal with and as well, operating a brand that was highly dependent of the wins of, uh, of, of, of the team members we had. So that's when we started to think with two, my two co-founders of the opportunity of making a brand that's not only born in, in gaming, but also born in crypto. We're having NFTs as the core pillar of, of everything we do. And talking about esports and, and fashion, to your point, Ian, uh, NFTs are jamming. However, like data indicates now that sales and number of active wallets are 90% and 70% down respectively since they peaked early May. Some say that the NFT bubble has burst and that it was just a fad. What's your take on that? I think, um, you know, look, we all, we all knew that this was, you know, just something new for people that they were diving into and, and, and trying to figure out what it was. And I think those of us who are doing it also know that the, the experience is really immature. So, you know, yeah, we're all kind of getting our, I think what, what we've all experienced is a whole bunch of people getting their head around this concept and trying some experiments. And, you know, I think in, in a lot of ways, the, the experience is still really, really immature. You know, I think one big thing is, um, you know, NFTs need a, a, a place, you know, they, they need a place to hang on your wall or to be a part of a marketplace or to... Um, you know, be something where you can show off to your friends. And I think we experienced a big rush earlier this year because we had, you know, some, some marketplaces that were coming online that, that, you know, that, that brought a lot of people into them, a place where you could come and, and look around. Um, you could buy, you could, you could, you could resell, you could see value. Um, and I think that, that that's the part that, that is, is going to evolve and, and really drive, um, you know, a whole bunch of new usage, you know, as we, as we find all kinds of new ways to use this technology, whether it's, you know, proof of purchase or proof of attendance, or um, just a way to show off your collection and, and share it with friends, you know, I think that, that that's just only, only going to, to drive it back up. So I think it's natural because what you had was you had this big run in of people going, wait, what is this? 
And, you know, then coming in and finding out that, that, you know, the tools that, that we were using are, were relatively immature. Um, but I think you're going to see a steady uh, growth and development of those tools and, and you'll, you'll see, you'll see steady, steady growth in, in usage and, and, uh, and move back up as a, as a result. Yeah. And, and you mentioned experience earlier um, as Ledger's chief experience officer and an NFT enthusiast, what user experience frictions do you currently see in the realm of NFTs? And how do we solve them? I mean, I think really so many. I mean, I think that, you know, you see starting at the very beginning, you know, with, with people kind of, you know, just trying to come in uh, with, with, you know, with, uh, with fiat money and, and, and buy. And then, um, you know, when they, when they do that, most of the places where, where you can do that, you actually end up getting kind of stuck into a, into a software wallet and you, you know, you can't always, you know, move, uh, you know, move your, your assets, you know, to someplace that someplace else that, that you might want them. Um, you know, obviously you have, you know, you have the kind of different, different experiences on different chains. Um, you know, there, there, I think there are, are so many experience issues, but I think those are, those are the kinds of things that are, that are just going to get worked out. Um, you know, as, as we, you know, we kind of go from having, you know, a lot of different solutions to these problems to ultimately we'll, we'll kind of center on, you know, different, different solutions for different purposes. And it'll become much more, you know, much, much more clear for, you know, for people, which direction to go over time and, and, and the tools become better and better at ledger. We're really focused on a couple of things. You know, one is making sure that, that the digital assets that you own, are, are visible to you in Ledger Live. Um, you know, right now you can secure your NFT assets with with your Ledger Nano, but you can't see the the those assets inside of Ledger Live. So that's that's one um, you know thing for us to fix. And also, you know, there there are there are not really good flows which move from you know from from getting a digital asset you know into a hardware solution. So um, what I mean by that is you know a lot of the things like if I if I go from uh, you know, from purchasing something and then and then uh, redeeming an NFT, you know, whether that's, you know, could even be a proof of attendance type of type of thing. Um, those end up, you know, directing you into a software wallet, which, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend a software only wallet to my worst enemy. Um, so, you know, we need to we need to really make sure that the that the flow uh, coming from any experience where you redeem an NFT has like a really easy way to land in a hardware wallet such as Ledger. So that's another thing that we that we need to that we need to solve on the experience side. So moving on to our users question, to give you a quick background, last week we asked our community on social media if they had any questions to you guys. So here we go. Benoit, I know that you've been quite vocal about your vision on corporations and brands who are trying to quote unquote jump on the NFT bandwagon. We actually had a pretty interesting discussion about that on Clubhouse the other day, then on Twitter, and a lot of people wanted to get an overview of the conversation. So, are you against brands adopting NFTs? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not against brands coming on NFT. Uh, it's just that I worked for brands all my life before making my own brand, uh, and that I know really well how they operate, and now as well being in, you know, the eye of the storm with artifacts and actually moving things forward. I really see a lot more clearly how the brands are approaching the space. And it's not necessarily good for the space either because, you know, all the press and we've been part of the press, we said yes to interviews, right? Like everyone just talking about the numbers and these, the next opportunity. The problem is that most of the people that talk, they don't understand anything and they are not from that world. And what's exciting to me about this world is that it's made by a lot of people you could call misfits in a sense. 
um, are like are very you know very very interesting type of people that are forming the movement and kickstarting this big revolution and which everyone will of course take part of at some point. But um, I think that there's the opportunity to really change how things you know are operated, especially from the creative and business relationship perspective. Uh, all the brands, you know, most of them, they work with agencies, they work with trend forecasters, they work with PR agencies, they work with SEO. Uh, they, they just work on a very, very old system that is actually where the creativity, you know, it's quite rare. And that's why, you know, that's why you celebrate it when you see something super creative from a brand these days. And they still manage to, to have a relevancy in the culture and they do something really cool. But for a brand to actually do something genuine and really creative within a new space, it's very hard because they have all of these barriers they have internally and all these cultural structure they've been building for years that are not made for creators first. And I think right now we have the opportunity to really flip the way it's operating and we're living a very, very naive and early you know, moments of the system where uh, it's mainly done by collectors and artists and collectors becoming, you know, curators, some of them, some artists also becoming collectors and just seeing how brands start to approach the space and they all did it so far purely from a short-term marketing driven goal uh, to be part of the conversations because they saw the big conversations, they, they saw the press. They are not even interested by the money because it's nothing for them, you know, to make a 30k or 50k with a NFT sale. But it's just to see how they are coming just to be part of the culture because that's what they want and they try to be all the time. And just for once, you know, it's always been like that. But here it's very, very clear that the culture and all movement is not initiated at all by brands, on the contrary. And usually it's not, but but it's a movement that has potential to completely change the way we operate creative business. Uh, and that's why I have so far I've been first disappointed by uh, some of the brands, how they did it. Also, how some of the brands approached us personally and the attitude they had with us uh, in how they were trying to use some of our ideas or use some, you know, get some free insights from us or make us try to, to work within their schedule and, and, and their way of thinking, which is opposite to what we do. So I'm just being careful on this because I don't think anyone needs brands, you know, in their life. Uh, and it's opportunity for people to, instead of buying always the same stuff that's manufactured for them in mass, to discover artists, to discover projects, to discover small teams that are doing stuff purely from a passion point of view for now. Also, of course, they, they want to make revenue and us as well. But it's just that the space is very, very genuine for now. And I think the moment all the brands are going to come in with their press campaigns and marketing campaigns and outsourcing creativity as they usually do, it's just going to be negative for, for the growth of the space in general and negative for the core people in the space that are artists or people that have been waiting for that to arrive for years, right? So I'm just very careful on that because we all know how brands operate and, and, and this is not the space to operate like this. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's all about creative execution and authenticity. And you, bo you both worked together on a collaboration uh, with uh, Ferocious. Maybe you can talk to us about this, uh, Ian or Benoit. Benoit, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it was very, again, very genuine, very random. I was in a call with Ian to discuss this specifically because I got an intro to him via a friend of mine. Uh, and I had this uh, hot thing with Ferocious I wanted to make something special with. I explained to Ian in the call and the Ledger team what we were doing. And they said yes immediately. And then we just did uh, the design super fast uh, on WhatsApp. Uh, we went, uh, you know, Ledger, Benoit... Uh, 
suggested a super good printer to do the custom sleeves in Paris. I went there, I got the prints, took the pictures in the street. Uh, we did, uh, then I sent back the pictures to Ferocious. He added graphics on it and we posted it the evening. It was done in three days, you know. Uh, and that's what was cool. And I think that's why as well, you know, when I talk about brands, like for example, we're doing stuff with Ian and Ledger, because I think a lot of it depends of who you are talking to at the brand, because there's amazing people in every brand, you know, and every brand, you know, some of the big legacy brands are, are amazing and have in super interesting legacy in history. The issue is who you talk to within that brand. Uh, and, and so Ian, of course, when I spoke to him first, and I mean, I've been following his, his career for a long time. I know he gets it. I know he's involved. I know he's, you know, he, he, does, he doesn't come up on, on projects with uh, closed ideas on the contrary. Uh, and it's the same, you know, some of the brands we've been talking to, if you interact directly with the CEO, like someone who's really connected to the culture inside, you can make a lot of stuff. The issue is that after, if it goes in the middle management and very short-term driven goals uh, or, uh, or that are not in line with what we are trying to create that artifact that is very, very artist and community driven, that's where there's a clash. So to know how the weather is going to be like, one watches the weather forecast. If you want to know how cryptocurrencies, NFTs, and Web3 might evolve in the future, here's the ledger forecast. Benoit, Artifact, recently raised $8 million in a round led by Anderson Horowitz, which also included prominent names such as Galaxy Digital and Vayner Fund. So first of all, congrats, that's amazing. And Ledger, included Ledger. Yeah. And Ledger as well. Maybe, maybe you could give us an insight into your plans and how you will be leveraging such resources to develop this new paradigm between creativity and commerce that you hold so close. Yeah, of course. I mean, the, the way we did the, the, the fundraise, it was super, I mean, it was super intense first because we did it in, in four weeks uh, from the start. Of, we started to take calls until we signed the term sheet and decided, but we really treated it as we were curating, you know, a group of Avengers that could be by our side. Uh, and because the company we're creating is, we believe, a kind of new type of company. It's a mix between a game studio, a fashion house, uh, you know, a design studio. Um, and so we wanted to really merge different type of profiles and, and investors in, in the round itself. Uh, so that's why, you know, Ledger super interesting from, you know, the expertise you guys have as well, you know. It's French, so I wanted to have a bit of French <laughs> inside. So we really treated it that way, like who we would want to, to have, you know, on, on call and, and on WhatsApp uh, to, to help us do something really, really unique because we, we really believe that it's opportunity to structure companies uh, differently. Again, to go back at this uh, thing I have around the relationship between creativity and business. Um, so that's how we did it. And, and we didn't need it, the, the money necessarily because we had already a lot of money in the bank account when we did the fundraising. But it's more about this is who, who, who is going to be by your side, who's going to connect you to the right people, who's going to advise you to think differently with their own perspective. And mostly how when you put these people together, they can form a vision and a, and a resource that, that only when combined together they can bring. And the stuff we're working on, so again, we're developing our brand and we're developing our own projects for the metaverse. We're very, very driven by how people are going to express themselves in these different worlds that are opening up. We're working as well with big game publishers to also at some point have that mainstream element because we're very conscious that, uh, you know, the community is still quite small uh, these days. If you look into it, it's not, it's not something that um, has the potential to scale that much. And, and mainly we did it to to just hire the best team in the world. So you're hiring? 
Yeah, we're hiring. So yeah, if you're listening to this and you want to work at Artifact, you know where to go. Yeah, I'll do a post about that uh, in, a, in a week, actually. Okay. Why, what we're looking for, how we want to approach it, how we're building the team. So going back to the metaverse, and maybe Ian, you can chime in here if you want to, but how do you see actually Artifact, uh, Benoit, coming to life in the physical world? And Ian, maybe you can give us your opinion about the next evolution for the NFT uh, sphere. Is it kind of a, the digital evolution? How do we see the synergies in between the digital world and the physical world? Cool. So, I mean, this we do already, you know, since day one. Uh we knew we wanted to have some physical elements and we're all about how we merge the two worlds, right? So that's why as well, the ferocious drop we did, like everyone who got the NFT, they had the opportunity to redeem one physical pair of the shoe that's made, you know, it's a replica of the NFT in a sense. Um, so we already do this and we think it's important because even though we believe that in the near or long-term future, like most of our interactions will be made via digital experience and that most of the goods you will own and collect will be digital more than physical, you still need to have that tangible element uh, because first it's cool, it's a differentiator, you know, uh, you were in a space where doing things definitely pays off and it's, it's helping, you know, set up your brand uh, on the long term. And, and also because, and you've seen it, you know, the world is starting to reopen. Uh, you know, people went at a Bitcoin conference last week. So the people who we seeded the pairs to, they were wearing them, right? So any item we make on the physical side needs to keep that scarcity. Um, and, and we know as well they're going to become status items in real world events. And it's very interesting to see, to give as well opportunities to people who have a, a lot of wealth in NFT to showcase it in a way or display it in the physical world as well. So we do it uh, today. And we really think that in, in the future, you know, it's still going to stay, but our belief is that you're going to have less and less people who are value, you know, adding value to physical goods. The, 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 the comparison I make all the time is just like in video games today, you know, 99.9% .9 of games are sold as digital versions on Steam, on the PSN store, like, uh, Xbox store. But you still, you know, game publishers, they still make for the ultra fans that collector edition with the figurine and the map for your room and like the, you know, art book, uh, stuff like this, right? And you still have an audience for that who are like the ultra fans. So that's why how we treat collectibles, we treat it as really, really super nice to have. And also the opportunity to add some uh, craftsmanship uh, as well as within the products because we never do mass production. We, we think mass production is over. Um, and we focus on made to order, very, very bespoke. Uh, even in the punk shoes, we went all the way up to creating 10,000 unique, different physical shoes. Uh, so we think it's still important uh, for, for, for the market to have that tangible element linked to it from time to time, as long as it's well done and it doesn't become a gimmick. So that's why as well when we did the Ledger with Ferocious, and also Ledger is perfect product for that because not only it's a you know, cool physical object, and we had a great packaging and everything with the artist art directly in the packaging. And you can store the artist NFTs on the ledger. So these type of physical products make a lot of sense uh, as long as they add to the experience you propose with the NFT. Yeah, yeah no, I'll, I'll add to that. I mean, I think, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, picturing a world where, you know, everything that's collectible, um, whether it's digital or physical, uh, you know, has, has, has its, its digital component, right? So, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a, a personal story. You know, I, I, um, I, I dropped out of grad school in 1995 to go on tour with the Beastie Boys and, um, their manager, John Silva is, is, you know, is, is 
probably the best manager in the music business. And I'm not the only person who would say that, but a, f- a couple of months ago, uh, you know, John came over and, and we, we, we took a long walk and we talked about NFTs and, and the impact it might have on his business. He's still a, a manager of music artists, um, not only Beastie Boys, but people like the Foo Fighters, Queens of the Stone Age, um, you know, Beck, Sonic Youth, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, he's, he's not the kind of person that's like trying to sell a Foo Fighters ticket for $3 million, right? He's, he comes from punk rock. And, uh, and so for, for him, he wants to do the right thing for, for the, for the bands and, and, and for the, and, and for the, for the customers, you know, and, and for the band's fans is a better way to put it. And, you know, what I said to him was, John, every single thing that you sell is collectible whether it's a concert ticket or a t-shirt, you know, and look, that t-shirt might not be, you know, quote unquote, limited edition streetwear, blah, blah, blah. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, I wish I had an NFT for every band shirt that I had ever bought in my life. I wish I had that collection and I could show off that collection. So I think that this, this kind of connection between, you know, digital physical, I think it's, it's just incredibly natural. And, you know, in, in the future, um, you know, a 13 year old who's buying her first pair of Dr. Martens is going to get a digital collectible when she does, you know, even if that's not, you know, super exclusive limited edition, it only makes sense. And then, you know, when that, when that 13 year old is, is 50 year old, 50 years old, and those boots, maybe, you know, are, they got lost somewhere along the way, she's still going to have that digital collectible and be able to go, look, this is this, this is the time and the place that I bought my first pair, you know? So I think that this is just going to become something that, that is, you know, really natural and commonplace. And in fact, like when, when you, when you buy something that means something to you in the physical world, it's going to come with a digital collectible. I think that's, that's just going to be, you know, um, part of, of the way things go, but there are other places where, where this is going to, you know, this crossover is going to be, um, you know, just incredible. I spent my day yesterday. I had the most incredible day. I was with, um, three of the best tattoo artists on the planet, um, with Mr. Cartoon, um, Scott Campbell and Dr. Wu, and they're they're starting to do um, a project where they sell NFTs, um, and then you know buying the NFT gives you a the NFT. You are the owner of that of that um, of that edition. Perhaps it's a one of one, but it also gives you uh, the right to get that tattooed by by one of these master tattooers. So it's actually a completely different kind of crossover. And if you think about it, it completely changes the world of NFTs. You know, I've got some Dr. Wu and Scott Campbell, um, you know, tattoos, but, you know, it's going to be pretty hard for me to pass these down to my kids when I die. Um, but, you know, this if I had the NFT of these, then that's something that could stay in my family forever. Also, if you think about it, you know, you walk into a tattoo artist and you're like, hey, I really want a butterfly. You're not you're not necessarily asking them for their original artwork. And this one goes the other way. It creates like a marketplace for the art first. And then, you know, the tattoo second. So it actually, you know, these, there's lots of ways I think that it not only is about kind of combination digital physical, but it actually, you know, really changes the business. It changes um, kind of the way that we, that we interact with art and, and collect. So I, I think we're just at, at the very, very, very beginning of, of, of seeing how these, um, how these things fit together and these collaborations work. That's very interesting. It's almost time for us to wrap this up. Before having to do so, I'd like to ask you both a question I'm sure many of our listeners would benefit from. We call it a tip for a crypto first grader. You guys have been involved in crypto for a few years now. So the idea here is to enable our audience to benefit from this experience. I'm going to throw out a softball that any of you can catch. What is your ultimate tip to somebody who's just starting their non-fungible journey? <laughs> Don't read the news. <laughs> 
I think you need to follow a bit something that is core because if we if we if we go from the principle that NFTs as a medium is going to to enable and you know and parasite in the good way a lot of experiences and I think the example Ian gave on on tattoo is amazing. You see how you know it's something that is it's a business. It's also a very creative business. And you, you have, you know, in tattoo shops, you, you go and you flip through their book and you never know who did that, you know, did he download that on the internet or is it his butterfly? <laughs> so, so just, just if you see, and, and, and you see the best people to figure uh, the best way to use NFTs for tattoos or tattoo artists combined with someone with Ian who understands the space and stuff like that. So I would always say like on the crypto journey or NFT journey, Start by something that is connected to one of your passion points. Uh, the good thing is that before it used to be purely crypto, right? So unless you're passionate by finance and are like a trader and stuff, it's very hard for you to get in because it can be very, you know, alien to, to look at this stuff. Personally, I don't understand anything about it. It was never my thing. Uh, but if you're into art, you know, and art has so many different movements and artists, it's an easy way for you to start to buy, to trade, to collect, to interact with artists. If you're into real estate, to me, that's one of the most exciting places right now that is uh, touching crypto as well is all the metaverse real estate that is encompassing as well, not only the business of real estate, but as well, architecture, retail, games. So there's a go, go somewhere and start to dig in through one of the stuff you know and you're passionate about. And then you look and, and connect to the people who are in that uh, environment you will probably find a crypto-related project to that passion point and then start to do, to dig into it because not only you will benefit from it because you understand the space and you can apply your knowledge to this new medium, but also you, you can actually participate to add value in it with your insights. And, and that's the best part of it is when you get into it, it's not just to be alone, it's to be surrounded by whatever community you're interacting with in crypto that is going to make you a, a more knowledgeable person and, 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 and as well potentially a, a richer person if you're really good. Great advice. Ian, what's your take on that? I, I was really going to co-sign on what, what Benoit said. I, I think that, um, you know, don't read the news is, is, is great advice. And I, I think it's, it's just the, the, the start of saying, um, you know, I, I always laugh at people who they want to tell me about the new technology that they read about in some newspaper or magazine, and, and then they want to ask me about it when the answer is try it yourself. Right. Um, you know, don't, I would always say to the executives at, at LVMH, like, come on, don't, uh, you know, don't, don't talk to me about Snapchat because you read about it in the wall street journal, like, you know, download the app, use it, interact with people. Now you're, now you're going to understand it. It's the same with any technology at all. And Benoit gave the, gave the key to, to, to how to get into it, you know, enter through something that you know something about. If you know something about real estate, you know, go into a metaverse. If you know something about music, look at, um, look at, look at things that are, you know, that are relative to that, but, but do play around, you know, place a bid, buy something, sell something, um, you know, get into it. And, and, and that's, you know, the, the reality about human beings is you are what you do. So you have to do what you want to be. If you want to become knowledgeable on this, you know, you've got to get in and, and, and test it out and try it out. But point is, is that, you know, you can, you can start buying NFTs there for three bucks, um, you know, and, and, and uh, why not? You know, find some stuff that you're interested in, spend a little bit of money, build a, build a little bit of a collection. Maybe it'll be worth something. Maybe it won't. But, you know, you, you don't you don't have to lose much to, um, uh, you know, to both support artists and to learn. So, you know, I, I think definitely, you know, as a, as 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 Rollins band once said, do it. 
Do it. That's the perfect way to end it. I appreciate you coming, gentlemen. This was an absolute pleasure. I hope we can do this again soon. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this as much as we have. We will be coming back soon with more inspiring guests. Brought to you by Ledger, directed and edited by Theo Wiesmann. This was On The Ledger, live from Paris. Till next time, take care. Au revoir. This content is provided for informational purposes only and is the sole expression of our opinion and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment, tax advice or more generally any type of advice. Ledger will not be responsible for the consequences of reliance upon any opinion or statement contained in this podcast or any omission. Crypto assets are volatile, you should be fully aware of the level of risk involved before engaging in any crypto-related activities and you should consult your own advisors as to those matters. References to any securities or digital assets are for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute an investment recommendation or offer to provide investment advisory services. Please note that any loss of data, crypto assets or profit is your sole responsibility.